The following is a basketballnews.com production. Welcome to another edition of the postcast powered by basketballnews.com. I'm your host, Jameson Welsh, alongside three-time NBA champion, James Posey. Pose, what's good? What's good, J-Mo? Yeah, Not much, not much. Today, we're joined by a former NBA champion that shares a scoring record with the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and is still the best shooter in his household. Welcome to the show, Eddie House. Eddie, what's good? What's happening? Hey, man, you might have to edit that a little bit. Not only the best shooter in my household, one of the best shooters in the world, man. Get that right. <laughs> in the whole world. Okay, there I feel he it. is. I feel it. There he is. <laughs> hey, he ain't waste no time. I told you. I told you. <laughs> he got a mouthpiece on him. He ain't waste no time. What up, Eddie? What's happening, Pose, man? Good to man, see you, brother. Man, good to see you, man. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah, it has. All is well? Yeah, man. All is well? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, everything good, man. You know, fresh off the grill over here. Sweat. That's why y'all got me sweating right now. Fresh off the grill, out the shower. I'm, uh, you know, making it happen, man, for my brother, man. Anytime, all day. You feel me? I appreciate it. Hey, it's going to be easy over here, so just relax a little bit. Kick your feet up, shit. If you got to, you can take a sip, too, but, you know, it's all I good. I might slide over. over there and do that. <laughs> so, hey, what did your love for the game start at? Um, I would have to say back Showtime Lakers, right? And as much as I don't really – I'm not really – I'm not a Laker fan at all. I don't like the Lakers, okay? You know, you can't be a Celtic and like the Lakers at all. There's just no way that it can happen. But I, I fell in love with the game watching Magic, Showtime Lakers. Uh, just the way that they play, free, fun, um, excitement. And my pop was a Laker fan, so I watched a lot of those games. And that's where I fell in love with basketball, starting to watch it. But a funny story posed, though, I wasn't even trying to do who. You know what I'm saying? Like, really, I was a baseball player, man. I played baseball. And I was – Ricky Henderson is my favorite athlete of all time. Like, if anybody that really knows me, like, from growing up, they know that that's – like, you know, people might say Jordan, you know, all these – Ricky Henderson was my guy, and I really emulated my game and tried to be like Ricky. And I thought that I was finna be Ricky, though, for real. I'm dead serious. <laughs> you guys, anybody that I grew up with, they thought I, I thought I was gonna be Ricky, but it, it got to that point where it was either you, you know, pops was like, "Hey, man, if you're trying to go to college, man, you gonna have to get you a scholarship, bro." And so I weighed my options. I still was playing hoop, but also I was playing baseball. And and how I looked at it was, I I need somebody to help me work on my baseball game. I can't go work on my baseball game by myself. Right. Hoop is the one thing that I could always, no matter what, what time of day, if it's somebody there or not, I could go find a game at any park, number one. But number two, I could always work on my game. So uh, it was probably when I really, really like said, man, it's, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm knee deep in it and I'm going full fledged was like an eighth grade. Okay. Now, Eddie, where did the shot come from? Because as you mentioned, one of the best shooters in the world. Who taught you how to shoot like that, and where did that come from? That's God, man, for real. All, all glory to God because, really, it's just something that I had. You know, that was the one thing that I knew I could always rely on. I, I could always shoot from the day that I could play. I wasn't the fastest. I was a little chunky when I was younger, uh, kind of slow. Uh, but as I started developing, working, you know, other things came. But the shot was always there. I don't know. It's, I, I could maybe attest it to – the fact that I love baseball so much and I played baseball, my hand-eye coordination, it kind of is similar. You know what I mean? I found a target and I hit the target. The same thing if I was pitching or if I was in the outfield throwing somebody out at second base, you know, or third base or at home, you know, I had to make sure that I had my target I was trying to get to it. So, uh, I, you know, I, it's just, it was just an ability that I had. And I, once I, I found out that I did have that, I never stopped working on it. You know, I knew I had to work on everything else but after everything else got done, I made sure I stay, kept, kept that J-sharp. Now, what was your shooting regimen? Because we all know everyone says you need 500 makes or 1,000 makes in a day. Uh, for a guy such as yourself that is known as one of the better shooters in the league at that time, and as you say, still the best shooter in his household, what was the shooting regimen uh, like for you? Well, it depends on what time of the year it was and, and what, when you catching me. Like, are you catching me when I'm young trying to come up? As in my high school, am I in college or am I in the league? Uh, in high school, it was uh, it was about 500, you know, uh, 500 takes though. I didn't understand until I got 
in the league, though. Even in college, it was the same thing. It was takes. I was, oh, let's get up this many shots. When I got in the league, it was like, fuck getting them up. I need to make that many. You know what I'm saying? And then you start looking at, well, damn, how many did it take me to make that? And then you start chopping that down. And once you start seeing that, you know, that you start bringing it down from, it took me 830 shots to make 500 to now, shit, it's only taking me 640, you know? And then you keep chopping it down and chopping it down. Next thing you know, you look up, you're like, man, I get out of here. I make 500 shots in my sleep. You know what I mean? Get out, get out of the bed, go make them, and it's nothing. Especially if you're not on the move. Pose, you know that. If you're moving, it's different. But if you standing still, it, it's nothing. Right. So that shot, how did you end up going to Arizona State? Well, I had uh, Tim Floyd. We know who that – you know who Tim Floyd is. You know Gar Foreman was the GM. Gar Foreman actually was the one that was heavily recruiting me at Iowa State, number one. That's, so I was either going to go to Iowa State or ASU. And Bill Frieder, when he came out to Oakland, we met at the, uh, the Oakland Air, uh, Hilton. Airport Hilton, and we said, he was like, man, I'm sliding in real quick. I just wanted to come down and talk to you guys real quick. Could you meet me here? I'm just having, like, a quick little layover. And I was like, all right, yeah, it's cool. And he just – what he said to me, it resonated more than any other uh, of the other coaches. What he said to me was like, man, by the time you leave here, you will be an all-Pac-10 player. You will uh, make the all-freshman team with my – he said all the things that – I was envisioning myself wherever I went that my goals were. And he set those goals to me. And I was just like, man, you know what? I took a trip out here. <laughs> uh, you want me to get raw with it? Get raw, yeah. Okay, so I took a trip out here, right? So the first one I took to Iowa State, right? And it was cool. Everything was straight. But they didn't have no work for me. When I went out there, you know, it was <laughs> – it, it was straight, they just got me drunk, right? And I'm like, what is this about? This ain't cool, you know what I mean? Like, oh, we just gonna get, we gonna drink? And then, you know, it, to me that was whack. So I had a little game about myself when I came on this trip. So when I came on this trip, it was me and this guy named Jason Patton, he ended up being my roommate. So me and JP, we like, I hit my host up, Roger Farrington, shout out to Roger Farrington. Uh, he was like, he took me to a party, it was a, uh, it was a Delta party. You know what I'm saying? It was a Delta party. So he took me there. His girl, he was messing with a Delta. So we went there. We was kicking and I was like, man, you know what? I want to see what, how I will kick it. You know what I'm saying? I know y'all get some money. You know what I mean? The hostess. Give me my money. Give my partner his money. And let us just go see how this is going to be. You know what right. I'm saying? Let me see how I can experience college. And he was cool with that. He was like, all right, cool. Man, I had no problem. And we went to a, it's called Mill Avenue. It was like the strip back then. And we went out there. We ended up just having the best time, man. We knocked a couple. And I was like, man, when I got home, I said, this is the place, man, at the end of the day, because it's not too far away from home. You know, my dad could drive here or they could fly here in an hour. Or they could drive here in eight hours. I have a chance to really play. Um, they weren't that good. And we weren't that good my freshman. We were garbage my freshman year. But it was it, it, the, the fact that the belief that that coach and that coaching staff had in me, um, it I was just like, man, it was a no-brainer. That's how I ended up out here, man. Yeah, we sound like, I mean, somebody else made, made that official, made it a done deal. You know what I'm saying? It was done deal records after that visit, I see. <laughs> Does this date ring a bell? January 8th, 2000. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. That's that 61, man. That was my last game in uh, Berkeley. I was born in Berkeley, California. So I'll give you a quick story, backstory on all that. It's more to it than just a 61. So... My mom used to work at the University of California. And as a kid, you know, we have dentist appointments and we get out early, I'll ride the bar, catch the bar up there. I know the appointment be at 3.30, I'll get up there at like one and I'll walk through the campus and imagine that I would be there. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, I'm gonna be at this school, this is where I wanna go. J Kid went there, I used to, I watched J Kid come up and he was like the first one that I seen. I know Gary Payton made it and other guys made it, but Jay was the first one that I seen from fret from eighth grade, ninth grade, go through the ranks and actually make it to give me that belief, like, yo, yeah, this shit could be done if you know what I mean. If you really put it down like that, you know, and um, and he went there, so I really wanted to go there, and 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 them motherfuckers didn't send me a questionnaire. Pose, you know, we got we got questionnaires from everybody. <laughs> I got a questionnaire from Duke. 
North Carolina, not, not that I was going there, but at least they wanted to know what my favorite book was. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. My favorite TV show. I didn't even get that from Cal. So um, I, I, I just made it a point. Also, that was part of the decision going to the Pac-10 at that time, too, was I knew I could get an opportunity to get back at them every single season. And uh, that, that was my last home game. That was the last game in Berkeley in front of my family as a collegiate player in Berkeley. So, you know, being born in Berkeley, with all that being said, I wanted to make sure that we won the game and it just so happened to go to double overtime. I, I, I thought I had like 50 points, bro. I thought I had like 45, 50. I didn't know I had 61. Man, uh, the crazy thing about it, like, I, I watched the, like those clips. Like, how did it feel? Like, you know, some, some guys, you know, you feeling it. Like, you was really feeling it like that. Like, and you was getting them up. I mean, you was shooting the bitch. They couldn't contest. You was putting the ball on the floor. You were doing everything. But what was that feeling like? In, in college, I mean, 61 points. I mean, shit. It's major. <laughs> it's ma- I, to be honest, man, I just didn't want to lose, bro. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to lose that game. So I wasn't, I wasn't even caught up in, ooh, I'm hitting all these shots. It was just like, I know ain't nobody else out here about to – they don't have a better shot of making it than me right now. And I know that I don't – I don't want to depend on them, though. You're not, not like that. I, I love my brothers. Don't get me wrong. I love all my brothers that I was in battle with. But at that moment, I didn't want to lose that game, man. You know how it is. You just be like, man, I just got to – I'm trying to win, you That's know, no matter what. Last game. Yeah. yeah. You know? I got you. Definitely. Now, back in, back in that time period, you had uh, Arizona, which won a championship, was going to the tournament. And you mentioned your freshman year, things didn't go as well. Uh, how was the rivalry between the two in-state schools? Because we hear a lot, a lot about different rivalries around the country. You mentioned Carolina and Duke, uh, you know, posed with Xavier and Cincinnati, a lot of different rivalries around the country. What was the rivalry like with Arizona at that time? I'll keep it all the way, honey. It was no rivalry. It's only a rivalry if, if, if each team is, is have the chance to win. We didn't stand chances. To, well, we had chances. It was a, two out of the eight games. I never beat them. You know what I mean? Not one time. I went 0-8 against Arizona. And it was, you know, the couple times that we had a chance to beat them, we just what didn't get it done late. You know, late, and you know, we failed late. But it really, I wouldn't say it was a rival. More so it was, for me, it was a proven ground to say, hey, man, I belong with these guys. Because I'm talking, they was pushing out pros. Uh, my freshman year, you, you talk about Miles Simon, Mike Bibby, Jason Terry. Then right after that, Gilbert Arenas, Jason Gardner. You know what I'm saying? They, it was... Uh, it, it was one of those to where if you didn't have two or three on your squad, you wasn't beating them. If you didn't have two or three pros or four or five pros on your team, you wasn't beating them because they definitely had that. So I wouldn't even say that it was a rivalry to be all the way honest, you know what I'm saying? But do we not like them? Yeah. And I'll give you a story. So this year, I go out there to watch my son play, right? And you, I mean, you know, we're we going to get excited on the sideline. They tried to boo me out, though, for nothing. Luckily, I had my, my business partner was with me was like, and, and the people around me was like, what the? Y'all trying to boot him out for nothing? And that's the reason why I don't like them out there. I do not like them people out there because they are arrogant. They think they better than everything. And really what they is is a dust bowl out there to keep it 100. And they not, and, they, and, and it's all they got out there. So, you know, we'll, we'll keep it solid with them. I'll throw my forks up on that one. <laughs> Now, question here. Uh, <laughs> what would you do if you were in control of the program? Would you change anything in terms of making ASU a consistent contender? Because it's a perfect school. The weather's great. Campus is great. It's on the West Coast. It's close to all the neighboring states. Is there anything you would change program-wise to have it a consistent top 25 type team? No, I wouldn't do anything different. I think they're moving in the right direction. Bobby, since he's came, he's had the team in the tournament. He's been recruiting guys. They got uh, Josh Christopher, a, a highly touted um, top recruit coming in. They got uh, Marcus Bagley, brother of Marvin Bagley the third, uh, coming in. I think what Bobby has done, he has changed the culture. And when you change the culture, it takes time. You know, you're not just going to get implemented into something and all of a sudden overnight it changes. It's going to take time for you to get your guys in there, to get your system in there, and for everybody to buy in, the fans to buy in. Um, attendance has been going up year after year. Um, they've been getting better recruits year after year, and they have been competing. you got to think they beat Kansas two years in a row. Um, they have made some, some huge strides. So the I, I, only thing that I can say is that Bob, it, it, Bobby 
has done a fantastic job. Him and his coaching staff has done a fantastic job of not only having their guys prepared to play, when playing big games and also scheduling big games because that's important too. Put your players out there on these big stages to see if they belong, and they, they have done that. Uh, Zylon Cheatham is in the league uh, playing with New Orleans, and we see what Lou Dort did, um, you know, with his defensive presence. He didn't stop James Harden, but we know he made it uncomfortable for him. You know, he's making his name out there. So I think those are the things that, that you need to continue to do. And I would just say we need to, we're moving in the right direction. We are ascending in the right direction. And I also think that our athletic director, Ray Anderson, has done a fantastic job, not only with hiring a basketball staff, but also the same thing on the football side, what you, what you see what he's done with Herm Edwards, uh, Marvin Lewis, Antonio Pierce, and then also bringing in former players to also be on that staff. So I think uh, Arizona State is moving in the right direction, man, and I'm extremely proud to see that happening. So you're putting in work. At what point did you realize that you had a chance to go pro? Ooh. Suppose, uh, you know, we always think we're going. <laughs> well, it, it's sort of, well, maybe for you, maybe for you. Like, I, I, I can't say I, I, I thought like that. You, you didn't have the belief. Like, you had the belief, though. Nah, I really didn't, man. My, I, mine was a little different, man. I just took advantage of those opportunities, like playing and just getting better. Because mm -hmm. I, was, you know, I was playing with guys, and they was talking about everybody else except for me, even though I was doing my, my thing in high school. Then I got a you know, scholarship. I was a Prop 48. So I, I had to get the two five to get my scholarship my sophomore mm -hmm. year. And then, like I said, during that time, I just kept trying to be, you know, get better. You know what I'm saying? Like every year, show signs. And that's what I did. And I didn't believe I was going to get drafted until draft night. And I was at the draft and I shit the commissioner hand. You Dude, know what I'm saying? So like, you know how now, like most kids, they're like, shit, I'm going to the league right away. You know what I'm saying? That's all they're thinking about. And they still right. got to go through high school and everything. And, in college or whatever it may be, I didn't think like that. I was just like, shit, let me just keep getting better. And at the end of the day, just give myself a chance. So that, that's how, that was my mind frame. I will say, I feel you on that because I always just wanted to go to college. You know, I just wanted to get to college, number one. But then once you got to college, you know, you're, you accomplished that goal. I accomplished that goal and I started thinking about the league. You know what I'm saying? And I seen it. I was going head to head. And I started looking at my numbers. You know what I mean? I see Mike went. Ten, uh, he went second his sophomore season. And I'm looking at me and his numbers, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, we right there, but my team's not winning, though. So then I look at it like, okay, well, I feel like I'm just as good. You know what I'm saying? And Mike, Mike is definitely – I'm not going to say uh, anything. M Mike, who, we know that. You know what I'm saying? But I felt like I was right there, too. You know what I'm saying? And But my team wasn't, and we weren't able to win. And so – my junior year is when I started feeling like I could do it. You know what I'm saying? And me and Jason Terry, we really battled it out. And I almost won player of the year my junior year. He was the one that beat me out. You know, I want to say we – he maybe averaged 18 – uh, 19, I averaged 18. And, uh, you know, he beat me head to head. Mm -hmm. And so – but that was the year. And in that summer, I, I just took it extreme. I didn't even go home, man. I stayed out here. I stayed in the weight room. I stayed – even though I still was skinny when I got in the league. But I stayed in the weight room to get some strength. And, uh, and just understanding the game a little bit more and working on my game, I felt like I would give myself a chance to, to make it, man. And thank God, Pat Riley, you, you know how great the Godfather is, man. He, he, he seen something in me, believed in me, and gave me opportunity. So, man, I'm forever indebted, indebted to him. Shout out to him and salute to, to Pat Riley because uh, without him, I wouldn't have a career. So how, how was that draft night? Where was you at and what was you doing? Janky. Let me tell you how janky my draft night was. So we didn't <laughs> – I got drafted in the uh, second round, right, 37. So you, we got the same agent, right? We got Mark. So I'm hearing that I'm going to Phoenix the whole time. So I'm thinking I'm going 27th to Phoenix. I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be first round. I'm going to be first round, be first round. They take Jake Sokolides, and we were just chilling at the house. We weren't, you know, we were just chilling at the house, a very low-key, just family and stuff like that. And they, Jake goes, and I'm like, mother – I'm like, ain't this – like, damn, okay. So – People keep getting drafted. People keep getting drafted. Second round start. People getting drafted. Then commercial break come back, and they like, he can really light it up from Arizona State. I'm like, I didn't even hear my name get called. How janky was that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, that's hella weak. But, hey, you know what, whatever. I did get the phone call, though, right after that. Uh, Pat was on the phone, and within a couple of days, I was out in Miami, and we was putting in work. But 
Uh, I think more so than anything else, because I told you I was a Laker fan back in the day, more so than anything else, getting drafted and Pat Riley being the one that drafted me, hearing his voice on the other end of the phone, knowing exactly what he brings to the National Basketball Association right. um, and what he has brought to the Miami Heat to know that that guy wanted me meant more than anything else. So I didn't care really at that point. I didn't even care about it. I didn't hear my name or get called or anything like that. So you get down there and now, like you said, praising and the almighty Pat Riley. Now, now it's the culture down there. What was that like and how was that adjustment for you? Man, it was so hard. I'm going to tell you why it was so hard. It wasn't hard because of the work. It wasn't hard because of work. I always could work and I wasn't worried about that. And I knew I was in great shape. I always kept myself in, in, in really good shape, you know, winning wind sprints and things like that. It was more so just the, the, the mental part of it, you know, because he tests you so many, so many different ways mentally. You know what I'm saying? He brings it out of you in different ways. He poke you somewhere where he know you're going to get a response, but he know it's going to piss you off deep down inside and also question you like, does he even fuck with me? You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? He might walk by post. Come on, you know this. Tell me he might not walk right by you and not say nothing to you. Man, I've been on that. Right like, like, you ain't even there. Like, well, damn. And then the next day he'd be like, hey, Pose, what's going on, baby? He'd be like, damn. Who is this? Yeah, what, what happened yesterday? Man, I'm the same dude. Man, I just walked by you. But I, that's what really <laughs> was the challenge for me. The challenge for me was that part. And then, you know, being the only rookie on the squad, man, I was the only rookie. So I had uh, just super vets all over the place. My, my, my main, main vet, though, was Anthony Mason, God bless the dead. You know what I'm saying? R.I.P. Mace. He was my main vet, you know what I'm saying? I had to do a lot of things for him on the road and things like that, you know, and, and make sure everything was right for him. But all of those, you know, Zoe, I, I used to have to go get, hey, Rook, go get me a spit cup. You know what I mean? I had to go grab him a spit cup for him to spit. I'm right. like, damn, you can't go get your own? Okay, whatever. A.C. <laughs> Green, A.C. Green was on my squad. We would be get the water break, right? You know, Pat, we barely got water breaks. You already know that. So right. when we do get it, those is sacred times. A.C. Green would make me go get his water first. Like, hey, man, bring me my water real quick. So by the time I go get his water and bring it back, the water break over, and I ain't getting no water. So <laughs> I started peeping game. Like, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get two. I'm going to drink my water on the way to grab him so I can get me some. But, I mean, Tim Hardaway, Dan Marley, um, Don McClain, Dwayne Coswell, Brian Grant, Eddie uh, Jones. I mean, I had so many, so many so many OG vets, you know what I mean? And that, that was, I think, was extremely huge for me, especially, you know, how Miami is, man. I was right. moving out there, you know what I'm saying? A mile a minute, you know what I'm saying? They was liking a brother, you know what I'm right. saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I was winning, but they was keeping me grounded. So was Pat, though. You know, everything, I, I think it, it's a blessing because, uh, you know, without all of that, I don't know if I would have been you know, able to last in the league as long as I was just, you know, being who I was at that time. Yo, that's funny that you said that too, because when you talk about Rouse not speaking to you, man, <laughs> listen, we was on the elevator. I promise you, it was just me and he was just in the corner. And I'm, I'm just getting on. I'm like, you know, what up, coach? He don't say shit. We just ride down. And we probably like on the 10th floor, we're going down. I'm like, shit, damn, you ain't going to speak. So we go to practice and everything. He just, I like everything cool. And like you said, that next day or later on that day, you know what I'm saying? Like, speak but I'm like damn Rouse it's only me and you on the elevator you ain't gonna say good morning you ain't gonna say nothing and we and we on the same squad though it ain't like I'm a opposing team player why you like all right because you know Pat wasn't with that hey I don't do no fraternizing with no other people he would talk bad about you if he oh I seen you out there talking to him before the game oh you think that's cool we don't do that shit here you like damn right okay Pat I heard that that's my partner though you know That's my folks right there. Oh. No, Eddie, when you were in Phoenix during the 05 06 season, that was a seven seconds or less era. Uh, did you feel at that time that that'd be the future of basketball? Because everybody got to shoot once they got the ball. Y'all scored a lot of points. Everybody seemed to have fun there. Did you sense that was going to be the future, or did you think that was just how they played? I didn't think that was going to be the future. Hey, but Pose, you lucky we didn't make it to the finals because so you wouldn't have that other ring, bro. I promise you that. <laughs> 
Shaq, how you feel? <laughs> <laughs> I promise you that Shaq and Zoe wasn't gonna play in them games, man. I, I, that's how we feel. That's how we feel. But we couldn't get there, and y'all got it. You know what I'm saying? You're supposed, Real to, feel that way. You're supposed to feel that, that way. That's how we feel. But I, I don't think that we thought it was a future. I just thought that what we had at that particular time was some special. Hey, 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 hold on. <sighs> what up? I didn't, you don't know. What the, oh, okay. That's all right. That's that's something else. That's see, you know. That's, that's that old see, stuff. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, right. No, but I see. I see it. I know what y'all did. I know what y'all did, and I respect it. I respect it for real. Cause that's and and the way y'all did it. That's a grind right there. You know what I mean? That was for real a real grind right there. And knowing the guys that was involved in that, I know a lot of guys that was on that team and everybody in that organization as well. So you know, believe me, I wasn't upset at all to see y'all winning man i'm never upset at anything that miami heat do or the boston celtic uh, are, are able to accomplish but i didn't to, to answer your question no, i didn't i didn't think that it was the the future of basketball what i thought it was we had a cast of players um that believed in that brand of basketball and it was the right fit and it was the right mix and we had a hell of a head of the snake with steve nash i mean he could do whatever you, you know, when you talk about a point guard that can pass, that could do everything, right? He could beat you with the three. He could beat you with the drive. He could beat you with the mid range. And he has uh, extremely high basketball IQ and he's willing to share it. And we all push each other in practice. A r- real thing, as much as I love the, the team that we played on post, the, the, the most fun that I had playing hoop was with that Phoenix Suns team. We all got along, and ironically, everybody's spouse got along. And so that's so rare. You know, that dynamic right. is rare, man. And right. I'm talking about bus rides was so much fun. Uh, just kicking in the hotel and, and you know, uh, just a, a, that time, we, we just really believed that we were on to something, man. We all believed in each other. We didn't believe that that – I didn't at that time believe it was a future, but I did believe it was a future for me because I had the best career, best season that I had as far as numbers scoring wise on that team. And it was so much freedom, but I did see a chink in the armor, man, you know, coming from the Pat Riley cloth being cut from that cloth, you got to play defense, man. And you got to hold everybody accountable. You got to have film sessions to break stuff down. You got to prepare people for, for games and for who they're going to be facing. And I think that, you know, that, that kind of got lost in the translation of a scoring, you know, and I think that was pretty much the downfall of everything. And I mean, we see it with Houston, you know, we don't make it, they didn't make adjustments. You got to make adjustments, man. And we know, folks, you know this more than anything else, man. When you get to the playoffs, man, you get to lock in on the team for yep. seven games yep. and for a long yep. period of time. And it's about adjustments, quarter to quarter, minute to minute, quarter to quarter, half to half, game to game, you know, yep. and, and, uh, that's important. That's one thing that we noticed. Uh, and, and I think everybody on that team noticed that we, we didn't really make adjustments when we went to Sun. But it was a lot of fun, though, believe that. Now, do you feel that style can actually work, even with some slight adjustments? Do you think the small ball, shoot a lot of threes, do you think that style can actually work, or do you think it's just a more regular season situation? I think it, you've got to play deep. You've got to be able to get stops. It can work if you get stops. Look at the Warriors. The Warriors play uh, uh, exactly the type of brand of basketball that you were talking about. But the one thing about the Warriors that people uh, choose is not like how the Rockets say layup or three. No, the Warriors chunk up that mid-range jumper too. Let's yeah. get a deuce, the high percentage deuce, however we can get it. Because and, and it's kind of like a lost art to me, the mid-range game. And how people are so enamored with the three a contested three is the lowest percentage shot in the NBA. It's, Pose, that's been like that forever, right? Right. Okay, so how did we go away from we want to jack up threes and force threes. Now we want to do that as opposed to just getting the best look wherever it is. If it's a deuce, I want to get that. I want to get the elbow jumper. You know, I, I just want to see that thing go through the hole. I'm sorry. Exactly. Just score. Just score. Period. Right. Period. I mean, that, that was my thing, too, just with that. You know what I'm saying? Like – put the ball in the hole, then come back and get a stop. Or you got bad three-point shooters taking the shots because everybody's saying it's good. You know what I'm saying? So for your team, I'm just thinking, just put the ball in the hole, like you said, and then we're worried about the defensive end, get a stop. You know what I'm saying? So try to hold them a couple stops and try to score on 
but take the best shot. I agree with that. I think that was the problem with the Clippers, if we break it down, really. I think they took – in the game, in the last three games that they lost, they shot 34 threes per game. And not one of them is three – you can't name a knockdown three-point shooter on their team where they'd be like, that's what that guy does. And you right. really can't name them, and they're taking 34 of them a game. You got guys that can play that mid-range game, but they fell in love with the three, and then everybody's like, oh, they look tired. No, they getting contested threes, man. Contested threes ain't a good high percentage shot, and it's going to make you look like you're tired. Mm-hmm. You spoke on him, Steve Nash. You know he's the new head coach out in Brooklyn. What you think about that, and how you think he'll do? Well, I think, I think the one thing is that they recycle coaches, right? So it's good to see new blood in there. It's good to see a brother in there. You know what I'm saying? When, I mean, I don't mean a brother like a brother, but, you know, a brother in, as far as, you know, in the league. You know what I'm saying? It's a small fraternity of us uh, that's ever done this in the world, you know what I'm saying, in, in, right. in time. So it's good to see a guy get in there that, that's played the game. Um, now – it's rare that you see guys that are Hall of Famers that are extremely great at the game being able to translate that into being really good coaches. You have very few guys that's able to do that. Larry Bird, I want to say, might be the only one that I can really say that was a great Hall of Fame player and transitioned into a great coach, you know. Right. So it, it remains to be seen. Um, I, I wish the best for him. I think that – with the talent that he has over there and his history that he has with KD, you know, being over with the Warriors and stuff. I think that he'll be able to give them – and if Kyrie buys in, Ooh. I think that they, they can be successful. If Kyrie buys in and doesn't butt heads, you know, because Kyrie can be off on his own sometimes. We all know that. And if, if he buys in – because that's the main thing. You know this, folks, if, if your superstars buy into the coach – who the hell are you if you're not the star to be, like, bucking the system, you know? Right, 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 right. No, so, right. Uh, I, I wish the best for him, man. That's what's up. Hold on one sec. Let me do something. Let me uh, turn this fire down on, uh, on something real quick. I'm sorry. Right. Nigga, burning shit up over there. I hear you. I hear you. You burning something up over there. No, I ain't burning nothing up, man. I just turned it down. I'm going to show you what they look like, though, man. Just so you know, man, while you're putting the ribs together one time, man. <laughs> um, um. So, so how did you uh, how did you end up in Boston? Uh, Danny came calling, man. Danny came calling. He called me. Uh, he tried to get me before, uh, and uh, you know, it just didn't work out. Uh, the time that he was working on it, and I was just like, no, nah, I'm gonna go in a different direction. But he gave me a call. It was right after the I want to say the the trade, or was it the trade, or when he got KG? Which one was first? With, uh, with, with, uh, with, K, with, uh, with KG there, right? It was like, so right after, right after shit went down, he called me, was like, do you want to be a part of this? And I was like, hell. He was like, I know I caught, hit you before and was trying to get you, man, but do you want to be a part? I was like, hell yeah, I do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was a no-brainer. I didn't care about nothing else. At this point, man, I want to say I was in, like, my seventh year, and I wanted to just be a part of something that won. You know, I wanted to be – I wanted to win. You know what I mean? I had got to the Western Conference Finals with, with the Suns, and, you know, I wanted to get there. I wanted to know what that felt like. And I, I knew – I knew that if, if, if we were able to get – if I was able to get there, you know, we come together, it got you. Uh, me, I was like – I started looking at the pieces. I'm like, shit, motherfuckers going to be in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Mother's is going to be in trouble. We put this shit together the right way. We stay healthy. So it was a no-brainer. That's how it happened, man. He just hit me and was like, hey, what you trying to do? And I was like, what you think I'm trying to do? Shit, yeah, I'm coming. Hey, the, crazy, the crazy thing about that, and I appreciate you, because like I said, I knew you from afar. And then that day, I remember it was that Saturday. I was talking to Mark. You know, we got the same agent or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was just mad about just how everything was going, right? So I'm like, man, fuck this. Like, I'm... I'm about to go to I'm about to go to Jersey. I told I said, Mark, I'm going to Jersey. That's where I was leaving from. I was just leaving from Jersey. Right. So I said, Mark, man, I'm going to Jersey. Cause I'm thinking like I need stats. I'll be playing with J Kid, you know what I'm saying? Uh Richard Jefferson, you know, Vince and everything. And for the style of play, you know, you should be able to get some points, you know, just how they was playing, sharing and scaring. And so uh he said, you know what? 
I'm going to give you some time to think about it or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, all right, cool. Nah, I'm going there. He said, no, no, no. I mean, it, it's a big decision. I'll give you some time. You know, Mark. Yeah. Man, you called me. I'm like, what? Like, what's up? He's, he was like, pose. Yo, I, I guess you have been there for a minute. And you was like, yo, man, I've been here. We've been working out, man. Man, listen, this going to fit, man. Like, you come here, we going to win. And I'm like, man, like, I hear you, E-House. Like, I hear you. And so, you know, we chop it up. I, 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 I swear like, to God, you did say that exact shit right there. I hear you. I hear you. I was like, he just, hey, he blowing smoke up my ass right now. He, he ain't really hearing me right now, what I'm trying to say to him. Man, so I'm like, man, okay. So, you know, we get off the phone or whatever, and I'm sitting there. And then I was like, damn, like, okay. Shit, KG, Ray, P. I'm like, shh. I called Mark back. I'm going to go to Boston, man. I'm going to go to Boston. You know what I'm saying? So you sold it for me, really. So that was like that phone call right there. If not, I, I would have been in Jersey. And we, brought, and we we not winning that shit, though, man. We, we needed you, man, for real. Like, that. everybody that stepped – that team right there, we needed everybody on that team, though. You know what I'm saying? We really did because everybody stepped up huge in certain – you think about game two, how big was Leon Poe for us? Right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was huge for us. And that's what everybody you talk about, you know, uh, players knowing their role. Like everybody knew their role, and we had the big three. And like I said, they and you know they stars, they Hall of Famers, whatever it's gonna be. But they also made sacrifices different nights. You know what I'm saying? And and that was big. And when you said earlier about those players buying in, like everybody bought in. You know, KG he brought that you know that leadership there. You know what I'm saying? He got Pete working hard. He had Ray working extra hard. He had everybody working hard. So we love being around each other. We put that time in, that grind in, and everything. And it was actually it was it was more fun than anything. Yeah, we was. was. Hey, we was mopping motherfuckers. We was we was oh, mopping running through motherfuckers like, <laughs> hey, wait, who? All right, come on, go ahead, get on out of here. You can come, but you leaving too. Hey, but the one thing though, Pose, if you could speak on this, because a lot of people don't really understand like how important i think this was the most important thing for us was that we went to rome that we got away from everybody and had training camp out there and we was forced to fuck with each other yeah. like fuck with each other fuck with each yeah. other a lot of guys cut their hair bald i had waves so i was like i ain't fuck with that my shit uh <laughs> dipping too hard i ain't gonna go bald headed because y'all ain't got no waves but at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the day though it brought us so close together you know what i'm saying and, and if you could speak on it, because I tell people this all the time. That first day at training camp, when we went at their helmet, we went at them motherfuckers. We went so at their head yes. so hard. And, it was, and talking big, loud <laughs> shit to them. And to me, like, that's the shit I love. You know what I'm saying? Because it's competitive. And it's banging and we bringing this out. And what I felt like, speak on that. But I felt like that was the important thing for us. No, yeah, and, and that just showed the competitive spirit around. Because remember, me and KG, we got into it, and Doc had to stop practice. You know what yep. I'm saying? Like, you know, he talking and doing all that. I'm like, yo, nigga, she, I mean, you got the wrong one. You know what I'm saying? Like, we going back and forth. But then, like you said, we mopping them up. Then they win some. You know, it kept going back and forth. But you just felt it in, like that energy right there. long as we got it together and, like, respected each other, and, and that's what, what happened. We ended up respecting each other, what we brought to the team, and – and that, that's what made us. And that's what made the shit fun when we got back. And then it, it was a wrap from there. It was a wrap. But though, let me ask you this. Did you feel like this? This is how I felt. How it'd be practices that we would kick their ass, right? Yeah. And then they come back, kick our ass. But those practices, we kicked their ass. This is how I was going home. We just whooped the shit out of them. There ain't nobody fucking with us at the second year. We mopping everybody. <laughs> I wish a motherfucker would think right. that they gonna come in and think because we subbing in, it's about to go down. Hell no, we about to put it on y'all. You know nah, it wasn't sweet at all. For real, uh, for real, it wasn't sweet. It wasn't. So, and so for me, um, when I when I felt we could actually win was when we went on the uh, the West Coast swing and we went through Texas and we beat those three teams. Yep, so that was that never that wasn't happening right then. It, it wasn't happening when we did that. I remember I said, okay, we, we own us some. Now we, we just gotta stay healthy and you know what I'm saying don't get too high, but don't get too low. But once we beat those three teams, I was like, Yeah, we got we got a good ass chance right there, boy. Where yeah, did you was big. 
when when did you know like what point of the season did you like yo or did you come in like yo we gonna do it but for me it wasn't right away i knew it right away it was it was the i don't know was you there that night we was at p house playing cards he was there wasn't you yep yep that night when we we got together and i just seen how people clicked right so i just i was just dealing with energy because i'm like okay motherfuckers fuck with each other okay this is some real shit right here you know what I'm saying? I had went golfing with Rondo. I, I had him do some shit he ain't never did. And I, at that time, I wasn't even golfing. But me and him went out, and we just was able to just me and him and talk about it. I knew he was going to have the keys to the ship, and this is how we're going to have to rock back and forth. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to have to bounce ideas off each other, man. We the, we the you know, the point guards. Nigga. We the quarterbacks. Right. Of the second, you, you got the first junior, I got the second. We're going to have to bounce ideas off each other, and we're going to have to trust each other because – over here, I might see something and be able to whisper it. You got to be able to take that, and I need to listen to you, and we can right. take that. I seen that. And then, when, like I said, when we went out there, man, and went to, when we went to Rome and uh, London, and I seen how everybody was buying in um, and, and really believed in Ubuntu. You know, we really yep. believed that, though. You know, it wasn't right. like no fake belief, like, Ubuntu, right. Ubuntu. No, it was like, Ubuntu, like, we a real right. tribe out here. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> We coming for y'all, you know what I'm saying? And and, and we deadly. Um, I, I just knew I had that feeling all, all the, the whole time, man, the whole time. And it just, like, the feeling just got bigger and bigger and bigger. What about that game in Charlotte, right? Those, those are the type of things that where I see, like, like this is for us. We yep. supposed to lose that game. Yeah, yeah. We supposed to lose that game. Well, I think I got a deflection. I think I, in the past I got the deflection. Deflection, it got too late. Uh, he hit it, hit Ray, whop, game over. We out there talking big time shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they thought they had that thing won, though. You know, we, it, we was undefeated, too. We, I forgot how many, uh, like, games we had won before that, but we, we was undefeated at that point, so they was trying to knock us, you know what I mean? That would have been our first loss. Right. I mean, and, and to be honest with you, uh, that's – you can't replicate that feeling. You know what I'm saying? And you know the feeling, but you don't – you know it, but you don't know it until it's over. You know what I'm saying? Like you have something, it's just something that's working in you. You know what I'm saying? And that's how it was with me the whole time. It was just, man, I, I swear it was, it, it was so, that time on that team, it was so great because you know how we was. It yeah. was straight, you know what it was. <laughs> you know what it was. It, it wasn't no bullshit on that squad. It was, you couldn't be no, uh, you couldn't be no poo butt, nigga. You was, it was straight raw out there, you know what I'm saying? And everybody was calling each other out on everything, you know, and it didn't matter what it was. And but that made us even tighter and closer. So oh man, it's amazing just thinking about thinking back about it, man. It was just one year, you know what I mean, that happened, but it seemed like it was a long time. Right. Now, Eddie, who was the best shooter on that team? You got Ray Allen, who, you know, is <laughs> stop it. What kind of I'm question just, is that, man? I got to act. I know y'all have a lot of different practice games and a lot of different practice competitions. Uh, who got the better of all those between you? Yeah, and I, I got to say me. And I think Ray would say the same thing. Okay. I think Ray would say the same thing. I mean, not, not saying that, you know, in the history of the game, Ray going to go down as a, a better shooter than me in the history of the game. But how Pac said on that song, you and I know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I, I, I really feel that, man. I, I don't feel like there ain't nobody out there that can shoot better than me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just the truth of the matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I put in my work, and that's what I do. And especially if it comes to certain type of shots. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that there's not too many that can do how I did it. You know what I'm saying? Stopping on the dime, full speed, dropping on the dime, hopping in the air, boom, coming off the screen, pick and roll, running around, doing what I do. This trigger is extremely impeccably fast. So, I mean, it... I don't know, man. You you can't ask somebody that. You know what I'm saying? Because it makes me feel like I, now I'm shitting on somebody else, and I'm not. I think we all great shooters, but in my mind, I would be a damn fool not to believe that I was the best one. And that's the reason why I was able to, you know, let, be in the league is because of, of that belief in myself. Hey, you, now, hey, you did, hey, you did have some good ass breaks, boy. You stopping on a dime, boy. I'm like, hey, <laughs> hey, nigga, my knees is is, is hey, hey, the toenails and knees is bad because of that, right? <laughs> Hey, I'm telling you, man, that D is bad behind that now, man. For real, man. They ain't the breaks ain't as good as they was. Now, Eddie, if you come in the league ten years later and you're playing nowadays, what are the stats looking like? Because, like you said earlier, 
You're able to shoot at any time, green light. It's, you know, 30-plus threes a night for a team. What's, what's the stats looking like if you come around 10 years later? Hey, have you ever asked uh, – Pose, you ever asked McAdoo how he would be – what he would be doing if he was playing in this era? Oh, he, yeah, yeah. And you know it's at Maximum. <laughs> maximum. That's what maximum. Yeah. <laughs> maximum. But hey, you know what, man? It, it, to be a part of uh, being a trailblazer for that, you know what I'm saying? Like a part of that, of changing it to, to, for people to recognize and be like, damn, if he played in this era. Well, I played in a different era. To say that I could play in this era and I played in another era, I feel like is a, a credit to uh, what, what I was able to do, man. And, and real recognize real, real hoopers know real hoopers, man, out there. And they respect real hoopers. So, uh, it, it's, I mean, I did what I did, man. I can't sit here and be like, man, I wish I was born later. Nah, man, it is what it is. It, it was, it, it, you know, the time wasn't for me at that time. The time was, I did what I was supposed to do, man, and I made it. And I did what I, you know, I made it happen. I'm a champion, and I feel good about that. I'm proud about that. So you, you leave, I mean, you leave Boston, then you end up going back to Miami. Mm-hmm. So at that time, you know, that's when they had their big three. How was that? And how did you see, like, the leadership as far as, you know, you have Ray, KG, and P, and then you go down there to, you know, uh, Miami, and you get uh, D-Wade, Bosch, and Brian. How was that? Can you compare the two and what you saw and what you took from both of them? I'll tell you what the difference was between, I think, uh, talent-wise. You could talk about, I mean, you know, you, you nitpicking now. These are all great, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But as far as the leadership uh, role on that, I think – because D. Wade and LeBron and uh, Chris, they all was partners. Neither one of them wanted to try to take that alpha role. You know what I'm saying? Until that second year, you seen that second year was a total different team. You see how LeBron was. Everybody it was okay. This LeBron's thing. Right. That first year, everybody was trying to fill each other out. I think it was, and it's also because of that first. You know, D. Wade and LeBron, similar type games. You know what I'm saying? As far as they're going to be attacking the basket. When you look at Paul, you see how Paul is more one-on-one. Even though Ray is one-on-one, but Ray is a catch-and-shoot guy. You could play him that way. Everybody mm-hmm. could – KG get his on the post. So they mm-hmm. all was getting their touches in different ways, where LeBron and D-Wade was getting their touches the same way and trying to figure out how do we make that happen. And in, in that first year, nobody really took the, like, okay, this is how it's going to be. And, and it was just a – I think a learning experience for them, and, and as, as bad as, as much as I hate to say this, it took them to lose and us to lose that year for them to know how to win that next year. Even though D-Way already had won one, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about as collectively as a unit, you know what I'm saying? Even, right. even Spo, as well as with Spo, trying to understand how does he manage this, you know what I'm right. saying? And um, so I think that was the main difference. The main difference was in Boston, there was nobody, no idea, like, how do I manage? I know how I'm about to manage. And each – from day one, you know, KG was going to be on the defensive end barking. P right. was going to be his shit-talking P, and Ray was going to be the guy that kind of evens all that shit out and right. was going to fill in the blanks, you know? Now you had you had Spoke, you know, took over, you know, from Rouse and everything, and then you have Doc. Compared it to, you know what I'm saying, what did you see in as, as far as the coaching – you know, between the two coaches as well, because like you said, managing egos, imagine at the time. And for that, that was, you know, probably a, you know, a big thing for Spo, you know what I'm saying? Just being, you know, the top dog of that and, and got to lead these, these guys to a championship. What did you see from Spo? And then what did you see and, and learn from Doc as well? Well, you know, I, I know Spo from when I got drafted, he was in the video room. So right. me and Spo had, has a, a relationship from, you know, we, I how people say we got it from the mud. We both was at the bottom, you know what I'm saying? I was on a rookie deal, you know what I'm saying? Barely making any money. And he was in the video room. We would work together a lot, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, he rebounded and stuff like that. So to see his growth, um, I, I really appreciated it. But his – he's a, 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 a carbon copy of Pat Riley. You know, and he was young. So he had these superstars that he had to figure out how does he, one, make them believe in him, and number two, have everybody else believe in the superstars and make sure that he's still the guy. So I think that year he was still dealing with that, trying to make everybody happy. You know, Mm -hmm. I looked at that second year. It wasn't no trying to make nobody happy. This is why we were doing this shit. 
period. When I, I wasn't there the second year, I was on the outside looking in. And uh-huh. that's how I see that that was the change with him. Where Doc, when we got there with Doc, he coming off a season where they was trash. You know, they were, you know, one of the worst teams in the league with the record of losing the most games or something like that in a row. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Doc has always coached some pretty good players, you know, uh, really good players. Um, and being a former player, I think he already commanded the respect of other players off rip. Because, you know, being a former player, you know, we grew up watching him play. You know what I'm saying? Right. I remember when he hit his mouth and got his teeth knocked out. You know what I'm saying? I was like, damn, he was hard for that to me. I was like, damn, I mean, he's a tough-ass player. You know what I'm saying? And um, I think those are the differences, is that one was trying to figure out at that time how to manage, and one already knew, like, this is how I'm going to do something. But I think they're both great coaches in, in their own right. And right. you know how well Pat Riley prepares you. and. Right. So Spo is that way, exactly that way. Yeah, true that, true. Now, Eddie, um, what are your three favorite road trips to make in the league and also the three worst road trips to make in the league? Utah's the worst. <laughs> no, uh, hesitation. no hesitation. <laughs> yeah, no hesitation with that one. Utah's probably the worst. Indiana was kind of bad, too. I never really – we never really kicked it out there like that. Um, where's another bad one? Another bad one. Detroit was raggedy. Detroit, not not like Detroit was a raggedy, but this where we stayed at. We was in Birmingham. You hear that, Scotty? <laughs> we was in Birmingham, though. We never was in the city of Detroit, though. So we was way out in the outskirts, like in Auburn. You know where? Uh, uh, Arbor, the palace in Auburn Hills, where that shit was at, you know, I was in the middle and that wasn't in the city. So those places, as far as that, it wasn't in the city. But my favorites, okay, but so I played in Miami so I could take that out, or do you want me to say when I wasn't in Miami? Either or. Either or. It's totally up to you. Either when or. I was in Miami, I loved being home. When I was not in Miami, I loved being in Miami on the road, okay? So Miami, Toronto, ooh. L.A. and New York. Mm. You see now that Toronto and Miami is number one and number one and two. Um, what makes Toronto up there? Because a lot of guys say that, but no one really knows. The average person don't know why. What makes Toronto up in that? Oh, because the average because mo- the average motherfucker ain't wiggling and you know <laughs> got the girls giggling. You know, <laughs> you know. What I'm saying? I mean, no, really, Toronto, I love it because it's a melting pot, man. You could you got every kind of flavor that you want up there, like different cultures and stuff like that. And it's it, it's cool and it's laid back. We know you know everybody talk about how Canadians are really laid back. It would. I really like Toronto. It, and besides it being freezing cold, man, I always had a good time in Toronto. Yeah, they say it's like the mini New York, you know what I'm saying? Like, you get the same feel for it, but it's just across the border. Mm-hmm. What about you, Pose? What's yours? Well, it was, you know, of course, MIA, New York. Cali, you know, it, it grew on me, I guess. Uh, and then Toronto. Because at first, I just, I mean, the food over there was a little different, man. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was different. The ketchup was different, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was di- it was different. So those, those were my top, you know what I'm saying? What about your worst, though? Uh, Utah. Uh, yeah. Now, you, hold on. Why is Utah yeah. both of y'all's worst? Because y'all both said Utah off rip. Why is Utah the worst? Ain't I mean, nothing out, out there. It ain't nothing. You're going to get your rest. You're going to prepare. You're going to be ready. You know what that's I'm saying? That's what you're going to do, get your rest. And that's the crazy thing about it. Like, you're going to get your rest. You're going to be well prepared. But you still going to lose the game at the end of the right, day. For real, man. Utah you know, was hard to win win man. No matter what. Utah was tough to win. And don't be on no back-to-back going into oh, Utah. It's, it's going to be tough. Right. Right. <laughs> that's really? crazy. So – now you talk about being, you know, the best shooter in the world or whatever, but you got to be the best shooter and one of the best, man. It's, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. But you got to, you know, you got a youngin over there too, you know, Jalen. And I seen, you know, that young man grow now. You know, speak on him and what are you, you know, what I'm saying what are you advice are you giving him? Well, I'm giving him the advice to just prepare yourself. You know what I mean to make sure that you're taking all the right. Uh, you preparing yourself for the game the right way to be successful. You know, watch a film, 
put in your work, you know, and you in college now, have fun in college, but remember what you did. Where, Where is he at? Yeah, Arizona State, man. Yeah, you I, earlier. I ain't want to do it for you, but I'm saying you you left him out talking about Hurley and everybody. You ain't even talk yeah, about your. You know what I mean? You, but that's like almost like bragging, but like over bragging. And I don't want to do that. But really, since you asked it, man, I'm I'm. It's funny because I didn't steer him this way. This is how all this came about. When Bobby got the job, Bobby really liked him. Bobby loves point guards. He loves mm-hmm. point guards that love to that got some grit to him. And right. that's one thing Jalen could do. I said, Jalen, go out there and lock up. And he got straight clamps out there. And, and a lot of guys don't have that. And, mm-hmm. and he just has an un, uh, a uncanny ability to find the ball, it, it, whether it be deflections. You know, people take deflect, deflections to be there for a charge, um, just to harass a guy 94 feet. I think one thing my son has to work on definitely is his shot. He got to start. He, he does not have my shot at all, but – he is working on it, you know what I mean? And that's one thing that we know that you can develop. You know, we've seen guys come into the league can't shoot a lick that are, are serviceable shooters. He can shoot, but he's not a great shooter yet. We never, I've never seen somebody come into the league that can't defend and become a hell of a defender. That just doesn't happen. Either you have those abilities or you don't. So I think right there is a great building block. He has to just continue to believe, work on his body because he's, you know, he's one of those like how I was, you know, young. His whole, 18 is his whole uh, freshman year, you know what I'm saying? 19 is his whole sophomore year he's going to be. Like the youngest, you know, a lot of people are a little older. They got the early birthday or maybe they got held back. He's, he's younger, and you could see him out there. He was uh, a little skinny and stuff. But I think the m- main thing is he's got to trust his coaches, trust himself, put in his work, and trust his work. And I kind of st- stay away from him, you know, um, I don't want to be in his ear a hundred all the time to where he tuned me out. I want, when I talk to him, it resonates. And this is how I am with him. When he wants to get information, come to me. Cause I'm not going to hunt you down because right. then to me, that makes me feel like you don't want it. Right. You know what I mean? Now I'm pushing something on you that you don't want. I'm, I'm talking to you right now. You might be thinking of call of duty or whatever else you got on your mind. And I'm trying to talk to you about some real who, but you're not hearing it. So I'm wasting that time. When you want it, you come to me. And that's the relationship that we have, you know what I'm saying, as far as when it comes to hoop and things like that. But, um, man, I'll tell you what. I'm extremely proud of him, though, Pose. You know, uh, extremely proud of him. You know, uh, the the fact that he was able to to do what he did, you know, see his goals and and come through. And, again, I didn't steer him to ASU. This was all of Bobby's doing. Bobby wanted him extremely Mm -hmm. bad. He had other schools he wanted, was looking at, but the way I was trying to tell him, I was like, man, listen, this coach wants you this bad and there's no better coach to learn from than a guy who played and played at a high level doing the same thing. So I was like, it it would behoove you to to keep that as an option and and do what you want with it. And he committed early. He committed as a junior. Mm, That's big. So by the time he he leaves there, is, is he taking over that top spot from you? I hope he does, but I don't think he's going to catch me with them points, man. <laughs> how, many points you, how many points you got? Over 2,000. 2000. I got over 2,000 and uh, – I was 2,043, I think. 2,043, and then I got uh, the record in steals. So I got the most steals at the school and the most points per game uh, and most points for a career, all that you know stuff. I don't think I'm going to – I think it will be tough for a lot of kids to beat that nowadays because ain't nobody really staying four years. Not that he's not going to stay four years, you know, not saying that, but I'm saying that, you know, somebody that come in and that motherfucker that's scoring like that, they probably going to be gone. Yeah, right. So you also got, you know, your twins. How is that? You know, you got Jalen in college now and you still got your twins, you know, so they're growing up, you know, loving the game as well. You just working with them. What's your What's your advice for them? Yeah, they just turned fourteen last last week, last Tuesday. My advice to them is what I just try to tell them to always listen. You know what I'm saying? Like, put it like this: They uncle Mike uh, played in the league. Mike Bibby played in the league. They father played in the league, right? So look at that NBA knowledge that they could be so excuse me soaking up. They also played for J.R. Riders. Sky Riders. He coaches a team out here. So they got three professional athletes, three pros, NBA players that played mm-hmm. over 10 years. And I tell them that y'all should be sucking up all the game. Do you guys know how lucky you are to be able to have that type of knowledge to be pushed onto you? 
And yeah. I don't think they understand it right now. You know, they're, they're, this is the age of instant gratification. You know, uh, putting in the work and waiting to see the results is a, a lost art nowadays. They won't think that I'm supposed to just be nice right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it don't work like that. So it's a, it's a constant battle with them. You know, it's a constant battle with them to, as, a, as a father to, to convey my message to them on what it takes. Because they're at that time. They're in eighth grade. And five years from now, you're going to be in college. So every year is not a is no wasted years no more. I think before you get to eighth, ninth grade, I don't care. I, want, I think you should play every sport. I think you should Ooh. go out there. You shouldn't concentrate and burn yourself out on one sport. You shouldn't uh, work certain muscles, overwork them, and work over uh, uh, overwork certain joints. I think you should in, enjoy everything because everything kind of ties together when you really lock in on something. But that that's just my advice to them. Really, is just. You know, listen, you know, listen, talk less. Now the youngsters say, say less, <laughs> talk less, talk right. less. Now, who's winning the one-on-one -on -one between you and Jalen? Because obviously, you know, he's coming up. He probably feels a certain type of way. You're you. Who's winning the current day one-on-one? -on -one? <laughs> right, he beat me right now. I ain't going to lie. He, I, I haven't played him yet, but I think that his speed, he fast as hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> he hella fast. He fast. He got fast hand. Got really good D. Um, what are we playing to? Eleven. 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 Ones and twos. Ones and twos. Yeah. If I, I would, I would, to be honest with you, we ain't played, and I, I don't want to just concede a, 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 a victory to him. But I would say that he's in much better shape than me. He's young, and he should beat me. You know, I mean, I'm 42, and I would hope he should be able to beat me at 19 years old because I know at 19 years old, I'll, I'm tearing up any 42-year-old. You know what I'm saying? So um, I would hope he beats me. We haven't played yet. And this is what I do. I don't play in one-on-one. -on -one. I, I just say, hey, let's have a shoot. You need to work on your jumper. So if you can start beating me and shooting that basketball, then we talking something there. Right, right. Now, you had the, yeah. the pandemic going on and the social injustice stuff going on. Any, What's your thoughts about that and what's going on? If you have anything, if not, you got nothing. But if no, it's I do. I do. I have a lot to do. I think it's something that us in the back, black community have been dealing with a lot. And I think that it is just now being brought to the forefront. I think we always knew it existed in the, in the black community. And I think what was happening with the cell phones and the footage that's been, it's been being able to be broadcasted to the masses. And I think what's getting lost in the message is people don't, they're not listening. You know, they're so quick to say, no, that's not happening. Well, we not, people are not saying these things just because we feel like conjuring something up to say it. I think this is my personal opinion. If you're not black and if you haven't been through it, you need to step back, shut the fuck up and listen for a second. You know what I'm saying? Listen to what we are bringing to the table. And then, you know, how can you help? You know, because you are never going to feel this. I don't know what white privilege feel like. So how can I speak on white privilege? You know what I'm saying? So you don't know what black injustice feels like. So I don't think you're qualified to speak on that, but you are qualified to do whatever you can to help with the cause, but you have to listen first. And I think as soon as we start speaking about it, it instantly gets twisted into something totally different. Like as far as like when people go marching, you know, we, we protest and peacefully, and then all of a sudden riots end up happening. Everybody focuses on the riots, but this has been happening for years and years. I took a class. I just graduated, by the way, man. Uh, uh, hey, thank you, man. And I took a civil rights class. And it is ironic that all this was happening as I was finishing up with school. It's nothing new, but this has been going on forever. It's protests, then riots. And then what happens during the protests, because these ignorant people who want to use they have nothing to do with the message, actually. They just looking for a reason to go out there and tear some shit up, right? So what happens is the message gets lost because of some ignorant people. And to me, that's where we're at with everything, man. That we, you know, until we're able to say, hey, for people to really listen to what the message is and not um, look at what's happening because that's what ends up happening. And people start pointing finger like, well, they're right. Who wants to tear up stores? Look at them just tearing. Them ain't the people that's protesting that's out there trying to really say we looking for change because if that's how the people that were looking for change 
really felt, then that shit would have been going on a long time ago, and it would have been a rebellion a long time ago. Right. Got you. Appreciate that. Yeah. So, not, <clears throat> I mean, outside of basketball now, you know what I'm saying, you have anything going on? Yeah, I got a, a, a few things going on, man. I've been, uh, I've been working with the Pac-12 Network, uh, calling games. Uh, I've been uh, play, not play by play, but the color commentator for about three years now. Going on my fourth season, uh, fourth year doing this. Had a lot of fun. Had actually an opportunity to call a couple of Jalen's games last year, which was really dope. He had one big game, so after the game, we had a chance, and I interviewed him after the game with uh, with um, our, our, my play by play guy, which was. I, that probably was the best moment of my life uh, as far as uh, anything, you know, uh, professionally, you know, besides winning the championship, I really put, I, I will put that neck and neck with that. Um, but I, I do that. I do some stuff with uh, FS1, get on there, do some ana, uh, uh, analyst work, um, XM radio, do some stuff with that. And I got some stuff going on out here with uh, working in the medicinal marijuana uh uh, uh, field, I should say. And, uh, you know, with everything is about to go re uh, wreck pretty soon, which is good for, uh, for business actually. But, you know, my grandmother passed a few years back from, from breast cancer. She beat it then she caught it again. She lost her life and, mm -hmm. you know, she never had smoked weed before, but it was funny. She caught me one night. She was like, hey, it took me till I was 80 some years old to smoke that Mary Jo Wanna. She was like, but it's really helping me with my appetite and I'm really feeling a lot better with everything. So knowing that that is it's real medicine, that it's not, this ain't no street hustle. This ain't, we're really producing medicine for people to, to heal. My father has been taking CBD gummies uh, that we produce and it took his blood pressure down. Um, a friend of mine, his wife has been dealing with heavy anxiety. We give her gummies for that. She's been uh, a million percent better with that. So to know that we're producing something, we're actually helping, man, it's, it's for a good cause. And at the same time, you know, we're able to, uh, you know, make some money on what we're doing, but what we believe in. And we're putting our heart and our soul into this. It's not something that we're just doing it just to be doing it. We believe in our product. We believe in what it does. We believe in the plant and all the benefits, the health benefits that it has. For, for people and, um, you know, we're gonna continue to try to uh, make it as best as possible. And um, that, that's where really where we at right now. Spend a lot of time doing that right now. That's what's up. Keep doing your thing with that. So at the end of the show, I have a segment called Free Game. What free game can you give the people out here? It doesn't have to just be basketball related. It could be anything. Just free game for the people that's gonna see this and listen to it. Free game is mind your business, stay out the way. You know what I mean? Family first. Keep your head down, grind, don't worry about nothing else, but making sure that you supplying what you need to to make your family be the best that they can be. Don't worry about no outside noise. The peripheral opponents, always going to be haters out there. Just keep your head down, stay out the way, keep grinding. That's it. Now y'all have a free game from Eddie House. Man, appreciate you taking the time, man. I know you're going to get back to check your Raiders out. Yeah, man, what's the score, man? Let me turn around. Almost <laughs> again. Four, hey, it's 17-14. It's, uh, we in the building. Okay, shit. You got two, what, another quarter to go? Two quarters, two quarters. I'm about okay. to be happy. About to be happy. All right, man. But appreciate it, man. Enjoy your game. <laughs> I'll holler at you, man. All right, man. Anytime, family. Love. Yo, this is James Posey. Thanks for checking out Posecast. Brought to you by BasketballNews.com. You can check out Postcast every Thursday on all your listening platforms. Presenting sponsor of the Postcast is GreenSupply.com. With everything going on in the world, it is more important than ever to stay safe. At GreenSupply.com, you can purchase masks, hand sanitizer, and other important health and wellness products all in stock with same-day shipping. Best of all, listeners can get 10% off their order when using the promo code POSEY at checkout. That's P-O-S-E-Y for 10% off your order of KN95 or cloth mask, hand sanitizer, or other supplies like forehead thermometers and UV boxes. Visit greensupply.com. That's greensupply.com today.